Bless the Lord. Well, good morning. You ready to jump in the word? Amen. All right. All right. Bless the Lord. Hey, we're continuing on with a series that we've been running since actually right before the new year. Uh, we began on the 31st of December, and we've been talking about living inspired. And uh, it, it was purposeful to carry on this series uh, beyond January, beyond the new year, uh, into February, because how many know that it's a little easier to get all stirred up at the turn of the new year? Right, you know, we, uh, you know, it's New Year's and New You, and people do their resolutions and their goals and their year plans and you know all kinds of different things. Uh, but that that kind of newness momentum starts to wear off throughout the month of January, and now we're in February and then beyond. And uh, the Lord is really looking to do a great work in us over this next year uh, that's got to carry beyond the momentum of a new year's thought. Amen? So in that, we wanted to keep this series going. We've been looking at it from the perspective of what is it to be inspired? Well, it's God-breathed, it's walking in His anointing and His covering, walking out His vision and, and just staying in that fresh place with Him. And then it's also us doing our part. See, that, that whole first part, that's in Him we live and move and have our being. That's not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. That's, that's that whole side of it. But now the other side is we have to live in a way where we cooperate with what God wants to do. And so that's why we're talking about the God side, but then we're also spending weeks talking about some really important things. We actually call them for our church family, our culture pillars. They're the, the six pillars that hold up what we are uh, believing God wants us to walk out and live out, a culture that will inspire everyone who interacts with the Church of Grace and Peace. Now that's an aim, that's something that we got to keep working at, and sometimes we fall short of it, but we keep aiming at it and going after it, and we, we you know, see these things as they all work together. Now what we're going to get into for a few minutes here this morning, I, I want to tee it up a little bit to, to let you know that uh, I, I think what we're going to talk about today is just of paramount importance when it comes to walking out God's destiny for our lives. And it's, it's, it's an area where it's in our hands to decide what we're going to do in this area. And although God is almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful, this area we're going to talk about today can either fuel and, and be a catalyst to release what God wants to do, or it can be a lid to stifle His best plans and purposes for our lives. So I, I, I want to speak in a way that's, that's uh, stirring up inspiration, but it very well could be uh, that as we get into the Word this morning, it starts to come up against places where the enemy has moved into the blind spot of your life. And I just want to encourage you to let God's Word speak to your heart today. And if you find God's putting His finger on anything, uh, just be willing to say, Lord, I give this all over to you. Because from, from my, my pastor's heart, uh, I ju just every so often there's a message that you just feel the weight of it. And this is one of those again here today. So uh, I, I, I suspect that it's going to confront, uh, but God has said that his word is to confront so that we can be everything he wants us to be. Amen. Amen. So, and, and out of the being comes doing. So we become everything he wants us to be, and then we can do and run that race that he has marked out for us. Amen. Amen. All right. So this area we're looking at is attitude. Nobody wants anybody to talk about their attitude. Amen. I mean, if you're picking a sermon where you want people to lean in and say, my heart's wide open, you don't say, let's examine your attitude. 
right? So that's why I say in the front end, let's stay uh, open. But I, I will let you know, uh, oh my goodness, you know, as, as a, a preacher of the word so often, the area that you're bringing on Sunday, you get extra challenged on all week long. <laughs> Can anybody else say amen to that where you, you find, you, you know? But we, we you know, it, it, we aspire to live out what we're preaching and declaring and model it. Uh, so it's been a good sharpening week for me. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. So, like I said just a few minutes ago, you, you know, this is uh, of paramount importance in our spiritual lives, in our victory in Christ, in walking out his plan. Uh, and, of course, we know that the God side of life is supposed to permeate and pour into every other area of our lives. But I just want to differentiate for a moment that I'm, I'm talking spiritual, eternal, but I'm also talking day-to-day -day life. That this area of attitude is so huge. So let, let's work through a few scriptures. They're in your note sheet if you're following along. Um, actually, before we get to those scriptures, let me just, there are places in scripture, like for instance, the 40 spies. You're right, they're going to go in and they're going to spy out the land uh, for Israel to go in and, and take in, uh, to, to, to actually walk into the promise that God has for them. And uh, they come back from exploring the land. Uh, Actually, I said 40 spies. It was 40 days. Yes, yes. It was 40 days that the spies were in the land. And uh, th there was two of the spies that came back and said, a good report. Uh, the land has everything that God says, and surely we can take it because God is with us. But the other spies came back and said, yep, the land sure is flowing with milk and honey, but let me tell you what else is going on there. There's walls around cities, really big ones. There's armies, there's giant people, and, and their negative report, the negative attitude that they saw their assignment through completely derailed God's destiny church for that whole generation. So sobering, right? Attitude, so, so important. And then yet on the flip side, we can look at the, the victory of the right attitude. Let's look at David bringing lunch to his brothers. And they're on the front line in the battle against the Philistines. And they are all paralyzed with fear. And, and the Philistine champion Goliath, this giant of a man, comes out uh, every day to taunt the, the armies of God. And David's attitude is seeing through the lens of who God is and seeing through the attitude and understanding that he belongs to God. So it isn't so much what the enemy's resources are, it's the fact if God is for us, who could be against us? And an entire nation forgot that and got into an attitude that was strangling God's purposes. But, but theologians tell us that nothing more than a teenager goes up and stands in the face of Goliath and tells him, your head is coming off your shoulders today because you have defied God's covenant people, the armies of the living God. So, so there's the opposite. And then, of course, we can look at Jesus himself all throughout the Gospels. You know, we, we know the work that Jesus came to do was to uh, take on the sin of the world, to die on the cross and rise from the dead. But, you know, in that, he also modeled how we are to live. He modeled the attitude that we are to carry and have as Christ followers. So uh, let's talk a little bit. What is your attitude? Well, your attitude is an inward feeling expressed by behavior. It's an inward feeling expressed by behavior. Uh, here's some, let's paint this picture out a little bit. Your attitude is the advanced man of your true self. In other words, it goes before you. Its root is inward, but its fruit is outward. It's your best friend or your worst enemy. It's more consistent and honest about you than your words. Isn't that true? Sometimes we can say the words and the attitude can show, I don't really mean what I'm saying. I love you. Wait a minute, those two didn't match, right? Uh, it's your outward look based on your past experiences. It's what draws people to you or, or repels them. It's never content until it's expressed. It's the librarian of your past. It's the speaker of your present. And it's the prophet of your future. All those things are, are, are speaking uh, truth about, uh, about our attitude. So let's look at a few scriptures that talk about attitude. Let, let's, um, 
acknowledge some things. So Genesis 31 verse 2, it says, And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude toward him was not what it had been. Laban had a certain attitude toward Jacob, and then through life experience, the attitude started to change. Our attitude can change. Circumstances can squeeze and try to push and change our attitude. 1 Kings 11.11, so the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. So here it is, God now speaking, not Laban to Jacob, but now this is God speaking to the king. God has ordained him. This is God's purpose for him. And he's saying, you, you know, king, it's because of your attitude that you're refusing to change that I can no longer do through you what I wanted to do. And so the, the, you're, you're getting pulled out of this calling that I had for you. The, the nation is going to be pulled away from you. So I say, man, this is, this is some sobering stuff when we look at, you, you know, our attitude and, and how it can affect, you, you know, the pathway that we walk down. Romans 15.5, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. I love that attitude of our mind toward each other, right? Ephesians 4.23, to be made new in the attitude of your mind. So our attitude is never set. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's why we're talking about this this morning. It's never set in concrete. It's not etched in stone. Our attitude, although it can adjust for the negative, it could also adjust for the positive. How many know that as we get in the Word of God, that's why we are so much championing. It's one of the reasons anyway, where we are so championing, let's make this the year of the Word. You know, that we are in the Word daily and feeding on the Word and applying it and making it real in our lives. Well, let's go on. We'll see in Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, the thing about attitude that's so uh, tricky is oftentimes we can't see our own attitude. How many know others can see it a mile away? Right, but sometimes for us, it is so buried in our blind spot. But you know what? As we get in the Word of God, the Word of God is a revealer. Thank God for His Word. It's a mirror. And, so, and, and even it, when we're not saying, Lord, I'm open, I'm listening, He'll still use His Word sometimes to slap us upside the head where we need it. Amen? Right? To help us see so we can get junk attitude, stinky attitude out. Now, I, I want to, now, with, with this verse here in First Peter, I want to, weave throughout the message this morning our response to the trials, the persecutions, the pressures, the fiery furnaces, the painful experiences that we deal with in life. I want you to hear me loud and clear. I am not minimizing the pain of those circumstances in any way. Say amen if you heard me. I'm not minimizing that in any way. But I, I, we, I have to love you enough to say that doesn't become an excuse for letting our attitude shipwreck us. Because God's bigger than it. That's the overarching drum that we just have to keep beating. God is bigger than any pain we've gone through. 1 Peter 4.1, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. See, when the pain and the hardships and the furnaces and the crucibles and all that stuff comes, the enemy means it for evil. But it, it, what, the, we get a glimpse into well, why would God... Let me navigate this situation that's painful this way. Why didn't he just immediately pull me out of it? Why don't he do this miraculous thing that he did over here? You know what? When we trust God, no matter what, it has a way of just driving sin out. It has a way of maturing and deepening and seasoning us. What the enemy means for evil, it will always in God's hands turn around for good. Can you say amen? 
Amen. Amen. All right. So a couple of attitude truths that we want to get our hands around uh, as we talk about this this morning. Number one, our attitude is our most important attribute. So let's just acknowledge that. I know I've kind of been in a roundabout way saying that, but we could say your attitude is your greatest asset. If you want to put it that way and you think about the assets that you have, well, I don't know if my attitude, you know, finance, that, that does this for me, that does this for me. Well, here's the thing. Attitude can bring the finance. And the other side of it is attitude can also drive the finance away. So it's actually a bigger asset because it, it underlies every other area of our life where we could see as gain, blessing, or asset. Um, but let's start off with this talking about in the context of our covenant with the living God. It says that he's given us all things. That we're a kingdom of priests. That we're this holy nation. Just incredible, the promises that belong to us. Our attitude as we navigate through life in light of those promises is the absolute difference maker. Uh, the Carnegie Institute, so let me just talk uh, for a minute on the practical level, and then, then I'll flip back over onto the, or maybe I could say it like this, in the more temporal level. You know, we are spiritual beings and we live in a temporal world, right? Every day we, we go to work, we get in cars, we interact with people, even though we're going to live in eternity with the Lord. It's, it's both simultaneous. So uh, from, a, from a living in this world perspective, the Carnegie Institute not long ago analyzed the records of then thousands uh, of persons and concluded this, that 15% of success, however you would define success, I get along with people, I'm doing well in my job, uh, it just is in whatever ways I have peace, like whatever way you would define, uh, they concluded that 15% of success is due to technical training. And 85% is due to personality with the primary personality trait identified as, you guessed it, attitude. Amen. So, so it is our most important. We really want to be intentional and reflective when it comes to this area of attitude in our lives. Number two, truth about attitude. Our attitude determines what we see and how we handle our feelings. Making heaven out of hell or making a hell out of heaven. How many know that's all driven by attitude? Chuck Swindoll now, uh, uh, Pastor Chuck, says something similar to that uh, Carnegie uh, research. Chuck Swindoll said, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. Amen. And so it is with us. You know, there was a study done at a, uh, in the San Francisco area years ago, uh, and the principal of a school called Three Teachers Together. And this principal told the teachers, uh, you are being gathered here because you are the finest in our system with the greatest expertise. And you'll be getting 90 of the highest IQ students that we have. And wouldn't you know, at the end of the year, uh, their students performed 20 to 30% higher than the other students in the whole area. Here's the catch. They were lied to. They were lied to. They were not the finest teachers in the district, and they did not have the students with the highest IQ. They found out the, the students were average, and the teachers were the first three picked out of a hat. <laughs> what does that tell us? What does that, what does that put a, a punctuation on? That how we see things affects whether or not we allow what God put on the inside to flow out of us or whether we see a lid and see that shut where, where, where the Almighty is not allowed to move in our lives. Our expectations have a great deal to do with our attitude. And then what we see, we have to see as believers right through the eyes of faith. Faith is, we're told in Scripture, the substance of things that are hoped for. It's the evidence of what's not yet seen. All things are possible to him or her who believes. Right? So, so that becomes our perspective. That's going to shape the attitude that we have. Now, notice we're not talking about attitude determining feelings 
there's a great difference between how we feel and how we handle our feelings. Can you say amen? amen? There's a great difference between how we feel and how we handle our feelings. Everyone has times where they're feeling bad. Our attitudes maybe can't stop our feelings, but they can keep our feelings from stopping us. Uh, and it's improbable that a person with a bad attitude can continuously live in victory. That's why it's so important. The word is filled with so many places where it tells us to guard our mind and, you know, Philippians 4.8 on how to think and all of that shapes our attitude. Uh, there was an author that shared a story. He was in Hong Kong and he was walking on the street by a tattoo parlor and he saw the, the phrase born to lose, that it was one of the options of a tattoo that people could get. And it so struck him that he stepped inside and he talked to the tattoo artist there. And he said, why would somebody get that tattooed on their body? And with great wisdom, the artist said, before tattooed on body, tattooed on mind. Right? Attitude comes first. Once our minds are tattooed with negative, defeated, all that kind of stuff, uh, it, it, it becomes a hindrance, an obstacle, a roadblock for what God wants to do. And, and like I said, this is why the word gives so many exhortations in this area. Tracking so far, amen? All right, number three, truths about attitude. All right, and here I get to meddling a little bit. We are responsible for our attitudes. So, you know, oftentimes you'll hear me say in the message, hey, you know, championships are won by the basics. We got to go by the basics and we have to fundamentals and, and, and all of that. I want you to hear this morning, this is not a basics message. I'm this is a steak and potatoes kind of a meal. Because it's going to require a maturity for us to be able to really, really say, I'm responsible for my attitude. That's not as fun as being able to say, look what you made me do. You did this and now, wow, I did this. All of that saying, I'm not responsible for my attitude. But, but that's not what God says. Our God destiny in life will never be reached if we don't adopt the understanding of, I'm not responsible for what you do but I'm responsible for what I do and how I think. And so critical, negative, complaining spirit is never going to propel us toward God's best. Can somebody say amen? amen. And that is our world. That is what the enemy works overtime at to get us in that place. Life is full of surprises. Can anybody say amen? The adjustment of our attitude in light of those surprises, it's a lifelong project. So we choose what attitude we have right now, and then it becomes a continuing choice. You, you know, so it, it's amazing. It, it, and, and that's why I said, here's where it could be pretty staggering, uh, you know, if, if somebody feel like I'm, I'm poking at you here today, because the truth is for so many of us, it can be very, very difficult to say, I will now take responsibility for my attitude. Because we've been hurt, we've been offended, we've been, you know, put off, there's been injustice. And, and that's why I said earlier, I'm not making light of pain or suffering or any of those things. What I'm saying is despite all of that, God says we are still responsible for our own attitude. And it's so important that it will make the difference between whether we accomplish his purposes or we don't. Amen. Amen. So a pivotal day in your life and in my life is when we make that decision to say, I take full responsibility for my attitude. Uh, talking about steak dinner sermon, that's the day, church, that we truly grow up. Amen. That's the day that we truly grow up spiritually. Amen. Number four, it's, it, it, we've been leaning into this too, but let's just spell it out. It's not what happens to me that is important. Rather, it's what happens in me. That's important. So remember, the enemy is always looking for a circumstance to derail you, to harm you. He wants it to be an opportunity to steal, to destroy, to kill, 
That's his nature. That's his agenda. There's always two agendas going on in our circumstances. But the good news is God is always bigger. God always wins. There is no contest of what the enemy does. And God's agenda for us in our circumstances is that we overcome, we walk in victory, we show the world what he looks like, and we have this beautiful testimony that exalts him. That, that's the faith battle, is to see God in the midst of the, the situations. Hugh Downs, who was a, uh, a journalist for, for many years, I saw online, he lived to be 99 years old. Uh, he, he said that a happy person is not a person with a set of circumstances. He's a person with a certain set of attitudes. I thought, man, that, that's, that's wise. And then when we look at circumstances and, and all that we can go through, we can draw such inspiration from somebody like Viktor Frankl, who uh, was horrendously abused by the Nazis in concentration camps in World War II. And his words to his persecutors, they have been inspiration for millions of people over the years. He said, the one thing you cannot take away from me is the way I choose to respond to what you do to me. He got it. He got it. At the end of the day, my attitude is something nobody else can ever take. I can give it away. I can forfeit it. But in this case, he said, nope, no, I'm not going to do that. The last of one's freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given circumstances. And Clara Barton, that's the founder of the American Red Cross. Uh, she understood the importance of right attitudes even in wrong situations. Uh, she was known to not hold a grudge against anybody. Come on, can we just stop for a minute? We're here in the Northeast. That's like a professional sport in the Northeast to hold a grudge, right? Can do it better than most of the rest of the country, right? But she was known to never hold a grudge against anyone. One time a friend had recalled to her a cruel thing that had happened to her some years earlier, but Clara seemed to not remember the incident. She said, don't you remember the wrong that was done to you? This is the friend asking, and, and Clara answered, I distinctly remember forgetting that. I love it. I love it. It's my attitude, my choice. You will not steal from me my choice to own and, and steward my own attitude. All right, and then finally, the last point here, and then we'll, we'll move on toward the, uh, the rest of the message here. Number five, a wrong attitude, not one circumstances, will derail or even shipwreck one's life. And I don't mean that to be speaking any negative on anybody. I would just pray that if there's anybody who is allowing yourself to be ensnared by uh, an attitude uh, of, of I'm going to react, I have forfeit how I'm going to respond, I'm going to live in shipwreck, and I'm going to blame the rest of the world, that stands in the face of the cross of Christ and what God wants to do in your life. And he would even say today, surrender that. Put that aside. Step out of the boat in faith and say, God, somehow you're going to get me through this. Somehow this is going to turn for good. I, I, I don't have to understand the somehow. I'm just going to trust you in the process. Amen. Come on. Can you say amen? amen? Amen. I know I'm meddling, but I hope you know it's, it's meddling in love, man, with, with so much love. Okay, ingredients of uh, what we call, uh, I talked about the six pillars of an inspiring culture uh, that we aim at, that we aspire toward here at Grace and Peace. We call it A-plus attitude, that we want to carry ourselves with A-plus attitude. And I want to invite you, just as we have over the weeks, as we've talked about growth, let's, uh, let, let's set the temperature when it comes to I'm growing in Christ and, and servanthood, I'm growing in Christ and accountability, I'm growing in Christ, that you'd help set the temperature around here with A plus attitude. And we have three main ingredients of, of what we, uh, you know, to help kind of understand and define this, that the culture of our church would be uh, a, a one with A plus attitude. First, it's faith-filled. An attitude that's like, hey, if God be for us, everything else is going to be okay. You know, uh, nothing's impossible with God. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by who God is. I'm moved by his word. I'm moved by who he is in my life. And that's how I'm going to operate. Faith-filled, number one. Then number two really pours out of that is it's positive, a positive attitude. You know, come on, have you ever been with somebody? Have you been the somebody? 
You know, where somebody says something positive and, and then it comes out of the other person's mouth. Oh, I doubt it. You know? And we don't have to be like a, like a Joel Osteen personality. You know, it just kind of just oozes out of the guy, right? He's just always smiling and, you know, don't, don't be negative. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, it, 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 we don't have to have that personality. It's a choice. Because of who God is, I can be very positive. Yeah, but the fiery furnace is blazing in my life. But I can sing in the fire because the fourth man is with me in the fire. Amen. And it's going to be all right. Amen. And then third is solution-oriented. Come on, have you ever met an attitude that there's a problem in every solution instead of a solution for every problem? Come on, don't shout me down. Come on. How many know that's all attitude? We serve a creative God. If there is no solution in the natural, God created what's natural and he can do supernatural. Amen. There's just no limit with God. Okay, so now that we've gotten this far, uh, Hopefully, we're, we're staying open to the leading of Holy Spirit and what he'd be speaking to us now. Let's talk about then how can we carry ourselves uh, with an inspired attitude. Number one, evaluate your present attitude. And like I said earlier, that can be hard to see in ourselves. But we want to be those that evaluate our present attitude. Well, number two helps with that. Invite the Lord to touch and change your attitude. Just invite him into the process. And the beautiful thing is his word will so help us with that. Pastor Ralph's message last week on accountability, you know, very, very, very similar. When we invite accountability voices, people that we know love us, uh, that, that are speaking uh, out of God's love and God's heart can say sometimes the difficult things in our lives, like places where we're not seen, where our, our attitude is off. You know, and again, that time in the word is just so, so precious. You know, and, and just, just, you know, a testimony for myself. I was thinking about this this morning. I was just, just so moved by this. You know, uh, th this May, I'll be married to my wife 30 years. And, uh, and she's, amen, amen. And I can tell you honestly, she's still my best friend and I'm still hers. And I, I, I don't want this to sound like, because we're just like these really great people, uh, you, you know? No, I, I can be as jerky as the next person, you know? I am as imperfect as a human gets. My wife is pretty close to, it's disgusting how like good attitude, demeanored and gracious my wife is, you know? So I'll, I'll just say for me, put it on me. But you know, here's my point, what I'm getting at, as human beings, if we're not careful, we, we stop seeing the best. A negative attitude comes from the flesh. And we're supposed to pin the flesh to the cross every single day. And so, man, if I'm not careful, I'm starting to look at, well, she didn't do that. I don't know if I like her attitude. Yeah, I can start getting that stuff. Don't look at me so sanctimonious. You do the same thing. But you know what? When I get in the word, when I get to worshiping, God starts to show me, your attitude stinks. Repent. You know, and then I'm so grateful. I had mentors early on in my life, and I'll never forget this one. I'm talking about inviting God into the process and how do we see in the blind spot. And they were talking about family and having relationships that can sustain for the long haul, friendships, so forth. And they said, you know, the difference between a friend and an enemy, they both see the negative in you. The friend overlooks the negative, sees the best in you. The enemy only sees the bad in you. And then here's what they dropped. So why would you start treating that person you love like they're your enemy? Oh, my goodness. What a way to arrest negative attitude that, that we look at. Because, you know, we hear the expression, the honeymoon, when the honeymoon gets over. Can I just say for anybody who's new in Christ, I want to apologize for every believer has told you as a new believer when you are on fire for God, don't worry, you'll settle down. God have mercy if we've ever said that. 
What they're saying is your attitude will start to shift. I don't know, when I read about attitude shift in the word of God, I see Laban's attitude changed toward Jacob and he knew he had to get out of there. It meant it was bad. God's saying to Solomon, because this is now your attitude, you can no longer You know, my point is that we want to stay intentional to say, Lord, help me guard my attitude. Help me live in a way. Now, now, are you saying, Jim, that means that you never confront? Absolutely not. Just the opposite. But now we can confront from a healthy place. Now we can confront what needs to be confronted. And here's the thing, what's inspiring uh, to, to have an inspiring culture in our lives. Now the people that are around us there's an environment where we're seeing the best in them. There's an environment where we're saying, you know, this is what's right about you. That's what I'm staring at. Then when it comes time to say, hey, we got to talk about some stuff. Now we can talk about some stuff. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. God, that marriages that are strained right now would start to get breakthrough. God, families where where kids have just built walls toward their parents, that just those attitudes would melt off. God, that you would get a hold of our hearts this morning, that we would not be looking at others around us. Any place in our lives, God, where, where the honeymoon is over, Lord, where we would be able to look in the mirror and say, have I started aligning with being an enemy of this person? rather than saying, hey, I still see the best in you. Amen? It's also why it's important to not put people on a pedestal. You ever hear the expression, everybody puts their pants on the same way in the morning? You ever hear somebody say, don't get to know your heroes, you'll get disappointed? I I don't know that that's true. I think what's true is don't think there is anybody who's altogether perfect. But what's inspiring is authentic. Right? Amen? All right. Well, I got you real quiet, so I must have meddled something good here, huh? Amen. Amen. So evaluate your present attitude. Invite the Lord to touch and change your attitude. See, church, I'm getting a picture of what happens when we walk into our homes and we, we, we say, all right, let me, look for, let me look for God here. Let me look for seeing the best here. Let me look for what can I sow into that will bring Holy Spirit. This desert place in my life, what can I do that will start to water this area? Lord, what attitudes do I need to jettison so that your Holy Spirit can start to move and work? Amen. Amen. Okay, then the the, the real uh, impact happens, number four, uh, actually, I'm sorry, let's go to number three. Choose to infuse your attitude with the right things. So that's, you know, Philippians 4, 8. Infuse our attitude with, with God thoughts and God perspective and life-giving words. And, you know, um, number four, change your attitude by changing your thoughts. Remember, it starts in your thought life. So if you're having trouble, ask yourself, what's the underlying thing that you really think? Try to get down to the root of what are my thoughts here? You want to know what I have found a lot of times? Can I just be honest? Can I tell on me? I realize sometimes when I have an attitude towards somebody else, it's usually one of two things. They hurt me, so I'm being a jerk. Or I'm being arrogant and I'm being a jerk. I think I said jerk more in this sermon than any other one in the past. (laughs) Certainly not trying to offend anybody. I'm talking about me. Talking about me. Can you say amen? You know, when it comes down to it, when I get underneath it, what is it? And now I got to change my thoughts. You know, sometimes Pastor Ralph talked about with accountability, you know, we judge ourselves by our intentions and others by their actions. And you know, sometimes we are cr- very cruelly merciless toward other actions. And we are full of oozing grace and mercy toward our intentions. Right? So we want to be those that, you know, that we can work through. And, and thank God he'll show us. How many know all of this is not for condemnation? All of this is so that we can clear out the, the avenues that the enemy would use to destroy our destiny in Christ. Or root out the avenues that would destroy the destiny that God wants to bring in somebody else's life because he wants your life to inspire others. Amen? Amen. That's what we saw there, the spies They were supposed to come back and say, oh my goodness, everything that God said was true. Let's go get it. 
but instead their negative attitude wiped out an entire generation for their destiny. All right, number five, always take responsibility for your attitude. By the way, be quick to forgive. A bonus thought on attitude, I always say that things that way because anytime I hear there's a bonus, I, oh, something extra, give me that. So here's a bonus thing on attitude and, and church family in these days that we live in. These are hard days. These are perilous times, the word says. These are, uh, uh, th that, that translated from the Greek, days that are hard to deal with and hard to bear. So we need to have an attitude of perseverance. We need to persevere. We need to persevere. That means that we don't give up. It could be that you're here this morning, you're watching online, and, you know, life circumstances have knocked you flat on your tail. It could be others where you're saying, you know what, I wish I could say it was my circumstances. I knocked myself on my tail. God says, persevere. God says, don't give up. You're alive during this time, and no matter how high pressure and difficult it gets, in him and with him, you can not only make it through, but you can be one whose life inspires others. There's shaking going on, and it is going to shake off everything that can be shaken. But we serve a God whose kingdom is an unshakable kingdom. And that means that because we belong to him, we are a part, we are a kingdom of priests. In him, we are unshakable. Now, I just want to just uh, give encouragement as we prepare to close here today. This is one of my favorites. And, and oftentimes, uh, some of you may have heard uh, this before, this closing story. Uh, maybe others, it'll be for a first time. Oftentimes it's so hard, hard for me to get through this without getting choked up because uh, I just so, so much know that this is God's heart. But, but this, is, this is to every person who feels like you just keep getting knocked on your tail, okay? So this is called the race. It says, whenever I start to hang my head in front of failure's face, my downward fall is broken by the memory of a race. A children's race, young boys, young men, how I remember well. Excitement, sure, but also fear. It wasn't hard to tell. They all lined up so full of hope, each thought to win that race or tie for first, or if not that, at least take second place. And their parents watched from off the side, each cheering for their son, and each boy hoped to show his folks that he would be the one. The whistle blew and off they flew like chariots of fire. To win, to be the hero there was each young boy's desire. One boy in particular whose dad was in the crowd was running in the lead and thought, my dad will be so proud. Church, how many know you're running a race and your dad's in the crowd? But as he sped down the field and crossed a shallow dip, the little boy who thought he'd win lost his step and slipped. Trying hard to catch himself, his arms flew every place, and amidst the laughter of the crowd, he fell flat on his face. And as he fell, his hopes fell too. He couldn't win it now. Humiliated, he just wished to disappear somehow. But as he fell, his dad stood up and showed his anxious face, which to the boy so clearly said, get up and win that race. He quickly rose, no damage done, behind a bit, that's all, and ran with all his mind and might to make up for his fall. So anxious to restore himself, to catch up and to win, his mind went faster than his legs and he slipped and fell again. He wished that he had quit before with only one disgrace. I'm hopeless as a runner now, I shouldn't try to race. But through the laughing crowd, he searched and found his father's face with a steady look that said again, get up and win that race. So he jumped up to try again, 10 yards behind the last. If I'm going to gain those yards, he thought, I've got to run real fast. Exceeding everything he had, he regained eight then 10, but trying hard to catch the lead, he slipped and fell again. Defeat, he lay there silently, a tear dropped from his eye. 
There's no sense running anymore. Three strikes, I'm out. Why try? I've lost, so what's the use, he thought. I'll live with my disgrace. But then he thought about his dad, who soon he'd have to face. We got a dad in the crowd that we're going to face. Get up, an echo sounded low. You haven't lost at all, for all you have to do to win is to rise each time you fall. Get up, the echo urged him on. Get up and take your place. You were not meant for failure here. Get up and win that race. So up he rose to run once more, refusing to forfeit. And he resolved that win or lose, at least he wouldn't quit. So far behind the others now, the most he'd ever been, still he gave it all he had and ran like he could win. Three times he'd fallen stumbling, three times he rose again, too far behind to hope to win. Church, he still ran to the end. They cheered another boy who crossed the line and won first place, head high and proud and happy, not falling, no disgrace. But when the fallen youngster crossed the line in last place, the crowd gave him a greater cheer for finishing the race. And even though he came in last with head bowed low, unproud, you, you would have thought he'd won the race to listen to the crowd. And to his dad, he sadly said, I didn't do so well. To me, you won, his father said. You rose each time you fell. And now when these times seem dark and bleak and difficult to face, the memory of that little boy, may it help us in our own race. For all of life is like that race with ups and downs and all. All you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. And if depression and despair should loudly shout in your face, another voice within you says, get up and run the race. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with me now as we close today? Bless you, Lord. So as we look at moving forward in this calendar year to live a life that's inspired, to live a life that's God-breathed, to live a life where we can say we're, we're growing forward in God, we're growing up in God, man, this area of attitude, it's a biggie. It's a biggie that we never get away from. And although maybe there's a part of this that is foundational, I, I, it wasn't in my own heart in preparing the message, but I've heard the Lord say so clearly this morning that he's calling his body into maturity. And he's calling us into a deliverance from the spirit of this age. That's a victimology that will cripple his body. That is a clinging to the right to be offended that will hinder his body from walking out its destiny and its purpose. I also heard so loudly from the Lord here today that as we would surrender our attitudes to him, that he would, allowed our, he would allow our lives to be streams in the desert places. Even if that's some relationships in your life that are so close. The Lord is really asking us, will you trust me with all of it? It's, it's probably one of the hardest surrenders to do is to surrender our right to be offended, our right to retaliate. All those other ugly things that come when our attitude gets arrested by stuff from the enemy, stuff from the flesh, stuff from the kingdom of darkness. And every one of us, we, we'll deal with having to keep sharpening and bringing our attitude back to the Lord. But I believe he's even 
shining light today, bringing revelation today where we, we could say we have allowed constructs in our thinking, constructs in how we see the world that, that are, that are uh, galvanized in negative attitude stuff. But the good news is it's not galvanized in God's hands. He'll tear it all down and he'll build back up what's right. You know, the other thing I, I heard just before this service today, it's like sometimes it's not until both services are done where I walk away and I'm like, Lord, there was all these kind of nuanced things that you were saying, but this is something that I heard so clear just during worship and second service. Church, it, and I know it feels so weighty, so weighty in the room right now. You want to know when God gets such glory in our lives? When there's a brokenness. And can I just tell you, one of the biggest hindrances to brokenness is an attitude that creates a hard shell around our heart. So this is, this is a message today where if we will allow God, he will come to that hard, stony, you know, thing around our heart and he'll crush that and break it. And it doesn't feel good because it is surrender. Sometimes we human beings in our pain will cling to what's harmful rather than step out of the boat and take that leap of faith and say, God, I'll let you come in and work through the pain or I'll let you work through uh, whatever it is. Are you, are you tracking with me, church? There, there's a desire for God this morning to bring a brokenness to hearts. And you understand, if, if, you're not, if you're new to the things of God, I'm not saying God wants to break your heart. There's heartbreak, which is pain that needs to be healed. And there's a brokenness that brings a humility in God that allows his righteousness and the work of God to work out of our lives. That, that's what we're talking about here. So when we say, Lord, I surrender, Sometimes he says, okay, here I come. But it's because he loves us so much. Amen. Amen. So what's God putting his finger on this morning? What is it that he wants us to put down here today? We prayed at the beginning of the year about fresh vision for our lives. Maybe even through the morning here, the Lord is starting to clear away some of the rubble where we can start to see, wait a minute, I can choose my attitude. Maybe you are Christ to your workplace. Maybe you are Christ to your home. Christ to your children. <laughs> hey, church, Christ to that person that you attend church with that aligns with hell more than it aligns with heaven. Maybe you're light to that person. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, Lord, we surrender our hearts to you today. Whew, the weight of your glory, of your righteousness, of your love. Oh, it's so, so, so tangible, God. Hmm. What is it to be a Christian? <laughs> that we would surrender all that we are to you, knowing that you are life, you are wholeness. God, we say that we surrender all that we are to you today. Hallelujah, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Just want to invite you, just make your seat in altar just to bring your own 
Just quietly, even in your heart, just bring your own stuff to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel like there's something God wants to do and I don't know how to say it. Hallelujah. We wait on you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, with all reverence, with just a humbling of our hearts, we do recognize here today in you, we live and move and have our being. And we say that we have wholehearted trust and surrender to you. I guess what I, I think I was hearing from the Lord before was that there are some that are being really stubborn. There are some being really stubborn defending your attitude and the Lord is saying, stop it. That's what I heard. In my gut, that's it in words. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we just bow all that we are to you. Take our hearts, take, take our minds, take our emotions. We take every construct that stands in the face of your word and your lordship and we say no to it in the name of Jesus with the authority and power that's in the name of Jesus. Lord, if we have been the recipients of negative attitude, we say that we cast that off. Lord, if we have been uh, conveyors of negative attitude. We repent and cast that off. We thank you, you love us so much. We thank you that your purpose and your plan for us is salvation to the uttermost. Give us, as we've been praying, God, give us vision to see our lives right now as they are through faith, through hope, through our God does exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And for those times where we are so quick to say, Oh yes, that person's attitude. Oh yes, that person's attitude. Oh yes, that person's attitude. Lord, we're wanting this to be a moment of taking the plank out of our own eye. So we humble ourselves. And we say, speak to us, God. Lord, we together lift up those who are in the midst of difficult times whether they be times where they would just honestly say, I'm kind of reaping what I've sown and now I'm trusting God as he's walking me out of it. Or they're doing everything right and hell is just coming against them. Or they're looking and saying, I have no clue why this is going on. Lord, we pray that you would just minister grace. Lord, that you would replenish and heal every wounded, damaged area every place that needs to find wholeness. And Lord, we stand in the gap for them that there would uh, not be a uh, being given to things the enemy wants to energize. But rather, Lord, let this crucible moment be times where they're, they're, uh, we're being made to look more like you.
I just want to encourage you. We're going to close in just a moment, but just in whatever way that God's dealing in your life now, that you would just let it be a prayer, something concrete where you say, Lord, I've heard you and here's my response today. you, Lord. So, Lord, I thank you that as we've explored your word, as we've looked at attitude, what to do, what not to do, Lord, as we've prayed and submitted ourselves to you, God, I thank you that you are so at work in this area in our lives. And Lord, as we continue to look out over the landscape of 2024, I don't know if anybody else has kind of felt this way, but if you've seen Lord of the Rings where they look out on the horizon and it's like the volcano erupting and the the dark clouds and everything, you know, some have kind of had that picture of, oh, that's 2024, that's how it's looking. Just know that it it doesn't matter. God is going to be above that in your life. We just got to keep grabbing onto him. Can you say amen? So God, we commit ourselves into your hands. We give this all over to you. We love you. We praise you. Amen. Amen. Amen, church. Bless the Lord.